Hello and welcome to my Caravan Industry Insights podcast. This podcast is for anyone working in the caravan industry, whether you're from a manufacturer, supplier or dealer here in the UK or elsewhere. So listen every week to hear insights, interviews and marketing tips to help keep you and your business more informed and successful. I'm John Rawlings, a journalist and communications expert with a lifelong passion for caravanning and 20 plus years PR and events experience in the car and caravan industries. From starting in the editorial team at Practical Caravan Magazine to working in the press offices at Vauxhall, Volvo and Volkswagen and now in my own business specialising in the caravan industry. Hello and welcome to this week's episode where I'm going to get some insights into the USA caravan industry, which has always fascinated me as it's just on such a much bigger scale than um, everything we're used to in the UK and Europe put together. And to get a bit to go, to get a better insight, I'm speaking to a spokesperson from the RV Industry Association. That's the trade body that represents the $140 billion RV industry representing approximately 495 manufacturers and component and aftermarket suppliers who together produce 98% of all RVs made in the United States, which actually represents approximately 60% of all RVs produced worldwide, which is just insane. So Monica, hello, how are you? I'm good. I'm so excited to be joining you today. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you so much for sparing, sparing the time. Would you like to just tell us your name and what your role is with the RVIA? Yeah, my name is Monica Geraci, and I am the spokesperson for the RV Industry Association. I've been with the association for 13 years now, so it's it's a fantastic organization. Yeah, that's a long time. And could you give an outline of the role of the RVIA? I know it's a trade association, but you've got a big industry to, to look after there. Yeah, absolutely. So really, the role of the RV Industry Association comes down to two things. We promote and we protect the RV industry. And how we do that is in a few different ways. Our Go RVing program, which is our marketing arm that is done in conjunction with the RV Dealers Association, Mm -hmm. that's where we grow and expand the RV market by getting RVing in front of audiences that maybe hadn't necessarily thought about RVing. We also are charged with pursuing a favorable business environment for our members. So that's a big area for our advocacy, our government affairs team, who work with policymakers at the federal and state level to make sure that there aren't regulatory barriers to doing business and also making sure that it's easy for a consumer to buy, own, and drive an RV. We also create a positive RV experience for the consumers. And so that's our, our advocacy team plays a huge part there in advocating for more campgrounds and also the, those laws that make it easier to drive and, and own an RV. Uh, we also have the RV Technical Institute. It's a, it's a trade school yeah. that trains RV technicians. So that's to make sure that we can keep those RVers out on the road or, you know, if, if they need a repair, get them back out by making sure that we have those those technicians and then elevating the industry information and knowledge. We have so much research and we'll probably get into that a little bit later, but yeah, really yeah. making sure that our members and in many cases, the wider public have the information and data about the, the RV industry. So really promote and protect and we do that in a number of different ways. Well, I think you do it really well as well, because I certainly feel I get a fairly good insight into the RV industry in the US from the stuff that 
you post online, on LinkedIn, etc. There's quite a lot of information coming out of there. And I know we talked about some figures in my intro, but can you just give us an idea of the scale of the US RV industry? For instance, I know you've had some bumpy years recently, but how many RVs were, were produced? Yeah, so last year... 493,000 RVs were produced. And so that wow. was the third best year on record. Yeah. I mean, it's it wasn't our record year, but it was still our third best. So nearly 500,000 RVs were produced and sent off to RV dealer lots last year. Wow, that is huge. But in the pandemic, you, you peaked at nearly 600,000, didn't you? That is correct. Yes. We were just over 600,000 in wow. 2021. And to put that in context, we'll just round it out and get that. So that's the most. 600,000 yeah. was in 2021. Yeah. And there are, our previous high had been just over the 500,000 mark. And wow. that had been back in 2017. So 2021 was over 20% more than out of previous high. So it was just insane. There were a lot of RVs built in 2021. <laughs> yeah. But that's, you say built, is that the same as sales? Because I think dealers have quite a lot of stock in, in general, don't they? Because obviously the, the size of the country, they need to get, get yeah. a fairly Yeah, so what we at the RV Industry Association, we yeah. track shipments, which is exactly what it sounds like. It's RVs yeah. that are shipped from a manufacturer to a dealer. So yeah. they, it's obviously relates to sales. We don't, we don't in-house track sales numbers. So we really track that production number because we're able to get that directly from our members. Our members report into us monthly the number of RVs that they shipped out. So that's a, a number we are incredibly confident in. Um, and then there are sales numbers out there. So the what is great about right now is that those sales numbers and registrations that people going and registering their RVs are really starting to align with the production numbers because it was pretty crazy. The <laughs> The ramp up and the ramp down, like it's, it, so we're, we're seeing some, some normalization here right now. Okay. That's cool. So yeah, I heard the volumes were obviously leveling out of it to sort of slightly more normal levels, but uh, I mean, those numbers are just insane compared to production, uh, but are there lots of manufacturers? I mean, we were aware of, I'm aware of big brands like Thor Industries and Winnebago, et cetera, and they're all centered around the Elkhart in Indiana, aren't they? Yeah. So yes. Elkhart, Indiana, RV capital of the world. Yeah. They're, the vast majority of RVs are built in Indian. And for the state, of, it's mostly in that Elkhart County region area. Yeah. And there are there are a number of manufacturers. The the biggest ones are going to be Thor Industries is, is the biggest RV manufacturer yeah. in the world. They have yes. a lot of in Europe as well. They do, yes. Um, yes. Then you have Forest River. And so um, they're a really big manufacturer as well. And then Winnebago Industries. And they do make up, I don't know the exact percentage, but it is a it is the vast majority of RVs are built by those three manufacturers. But we've got a bunch of the smaller manufacturers that are building really great product as well. Okay, so there's a bit of a mixture there. And I mean, we don't, we're all aware of the term RV in the UK, but it, it just is not a thing that's uh, an expression that's caught on over here. We're trying to use leisure vehicle a bit more these days and LV, but we, we refer to caravans and motorhomes. But for an RV in the States, that could be a, a variety of different type, different units, couldn't it? From a, well, fifth wheeler, a big coach. I don't know. I'm, I've got, I've got the wrong terminology. Can you, can you update me? <laughs> We'll do some translating here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so there's a number of types of motorized and the totals. Like we, we split them that way. That's right, yeah. 
Yes. So yeah. you've got motorized. And so there's so three different classes. There's, I don't know who came up with this because the order doesn't make sense. But we've yeah. got class A, which are the big, that's what you picture the buff looking ones. Like, yes. and they can be very high end. Those are going to be your larger. So yeah. those are a class A motorhome. Then we go to the smallest. Class B is your camper van. Your like B and keeper. Those those are your class B. Yeah. And then class C are in the middle. It's at least here what a lot of people think of when they think of a motorhome. You've got the area over the cab oh, where usually yeah. there's a bed in there. Yeah. So those are class C motorhomes. So that's okay. on the motorized side. Yeah. And that actually only makes up a lot of people think RVs. They think motorhomes. And only ten percent of production. Currently, are those motorized? Ninety percent are towable. So, to- oh, wow. so motorized, you drive it yourself. Yeah. The different motorhomes, the yeah. towables, you're gonna tow with Tow-able. something. Yeah, and there are a number of different types of towables. You've got your conventional bumper pull. You hook it up to the bumper of your tow vehicle. Yeah, yeah. Travel trailer. Yeah, that is the that is the biggest segment. Sixty-eight percent of those five hundred thousand RVs, nearly five hundred thousand, yeah. that were built. In 2022, 68% of them were your conventional, hook them up to the bumper and pull. And that can be, those can be the really small, like cute teardrops. Yeah. Or you can have really large, you got, you got a heavy duty truck, yeah. you can pull a 40 foot tra- travel trailer that's hooked to your, your bumper. Wow. And then you got the fifth wheels and those have the hitch in the bed of the truck. Yeah. And those are going to be bigger, tend to be the larger, the largest of the towables. Yeah. You'll also have pop-ups and those you can put in your garage and they oh, literally, nice. they could be called tent campers or yeah, pop-up campers okay. yeah. and they condense down and yeah. then they pop up and they have more like the tent sides, yes. like the fabric yes. size. Yes. And then there's truck campers, which are really cool. It's like slides into the bed of a truck. So you're not oh, actually yeah, yeah. towing it. Yeah, yeah. So um, on a bed on the back of a pickup. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. And then you've got park models that are a small segment as well. And those are those are generally sighted somewhere at a campground. And okay. they're not oftentimes they're wider than what you can tow on the, the streets. Okay. But lots of different kinds. We like to say that there is an RV for every lifestyle and budget. Yeah. So yeah. Lots of cool. options. Oh, well, that's interesting. I didn't know that the majority were all towables. That's that's cool because it to, to me, an RV is a is a motorized thing that you drive yourself. That's the imagery we get over here. <laughs> yeah. Are, are there any particular sales trends? Are people going? Are people downsizing? Are they becoming more environmentally conscious? Or so definitely on the environmentally conscious, we've got the their concept vehicles right now. But there are both Thor and Winnebago are making great strides in the EV space. Winnebago just introduced their EV2, and they've got a number of them that they are that are out on the roads being tested now. Mm-hmm. Um, Thor also has a motorized concept vehicle, and then a really cool—they're calling it the E-Stream. Oh, I saw um, that. It's a, yeah. oh, so cool, yeah. and it's uh, the electric chassis that for the t- for the trailer yep. that's going to help propel it down the road when it's being towed, and it's really cool. Like, you can park it with like an iPad or, or so oh, it's, yeah. it's a really cool concept. So yeah. definitely that's on the EV front. Mm-hmm. We've got lots of solar and more lithium batteries that are definitely making their way into all kinds of RVs. But what is a really fascinating trend, and mm-hmm. I don't know if this kind of dovetails well, like you guys are seeing over there, is the Class Bs, which are those van campers. Mm-hmm. They're still a very small, that's kind of what a lot of, 
your RVs are, right? Yes. The smaller like camper yeah, the, vans. Yeah, yeah. So while they still make up a very small segment of the industry, it's last year, 3.4% of, of all RVs that were built in, in 2022 were Class Bs. As recent as 2016, less than 1% of all RVs were those Class Bs. So while still only like 3.5%, yeah. that's a big jump. So yeah, yeah. in raw numbers, in yeah. 2011, less than 2,000 of these camper maintenance Class B motorhomes yeah. were produced by the industry. And last year was over 17,000. So it's still a small segment, but it is growing well, it's a very fast. Volume. People yeah. really like them. Yeah, it's a decent volume, isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah. A, that's the sector that's growing most in in Europe as well, actually. To be fair, so because they're really drivable, they're they're easy to yeah. That's, that's all you need, really, isn't it? Yeah. Cool. We still don't have uh, slide outs over here, that, and that's a big thing in the states, isn't it? <laughs> most RVs have have the slide outs. It's yeah. just you. It's it's crazy. You, they go from you know just being wide enough to go down the street, and then yeah. you set them up the campground, and they are. Very spacious. Yeah, that must that makes a huge difference. Well, maybe we'll see it over here one day. I don't know. Maybe it's, there must be some reasons why they haven't, haven't tried it yet. We talked about dealers earlier. Uh, do, do they have huge? Are there, are there must be some really big dealers. Do you get small ones as well as massive ones? And how big would a would a big dealer be? I mean, so you it runs the gamut. You've got smaller RV dealers that can be quite small, but we also have a number of really large dealerships that you can go to and have your you can have the pickup almost anything. So they're going to have over a thousand RVs on the lot that you can you can choose from. So there are some very large dealers uh, and there's a lot of large dealer groups that also own a lot of dealerships across the country. Okay. And so, which is great too, because if you're looking at one place and you're like, they didn't, if they don't have exactly what you want, they may have a, a dealer location somewhere else and be able to bring a, yeah. a union. So it, it runs the gambit of of really small to really large. Cool, cool. And and the the Go RVing campaign, I think that's such a great name. It's, you've got it's perfect. That ha, that's been how long has that been running now? Isn't twenty five years? Is it really? Wow, twenty five years. years. Yeah. Wow. I mean, of all the campaigns, I think that's one of the most. Well, got to be one of the most successful, hasn't it? And it's what are your main? What's your main strategy behind that now? Is it? Content or social, et cetera? Yeah, so they're charged with attracting and retaining. So the biggest focus had been the attracting. So GoRVing serves as the the top of the funnel if you have your sales funnel. So getting people just into the funnel, people who wouldn't have necessarily thought about RVing, Mm -hmm. GoRVing is there to, it's not necessarily to direct them to which kind of RV or, or get that deep. It is. This is the lifestyle. This is what the lifestyle can be. And then we funnel them to our manufacturers and our dealers to then get, you know, what is the right type for me? That being said, GoRV's website has a really great tool for, you know, what level of luxury do you want? Like, what do you, everyone loves an online quiz. There's, there's one to help funnel. But in recent years, we've really been focusing on the retaining as well. Okay. And doing how-to articles and how-to videos. This has been really, really impactful the past couple years, just because we've brought so many new people into RV and making sure that they have the tools to have a successful, enjoyable first RV trade. Because RVs are great. They're fantastic. Mm -hmm. But I would not advise someone to go 
buy an RV, do no research and like take it out because yeah. you, there are the different systems yeah. okay. um, that point. you need to understand. And yeah. it's people are like, what's like, a, you know, what's your number one like tip? And this seems so simple and basic, but telling people, go like three hours the first day of your RV trip and don't arrive after dark because think, you know, if you're used to, you've never been in an RV mm-hmm. and you're just going to, Take it out if you're thinking about, I've been on a road trip before. I can show up at a hotel at 10 o'clock at night. And yeah, well, you don't have to set up the campsite. So just little things like that. Like, don't drive too far. Like, don't rush it on the first day. Make sure you arrive before it's dark. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. there are people it's, like, oh. It's, oh, funny that that think, it's funny that you think three hours is not very far. For us, that would be quite a long, a long first trip, actually. <laughs> But then I mean, we have we three have the same from here. I'm still in Texas. Yeah, I bet you are. I bet you are. No, same 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 theory here. Actually, yeah, you want it is fairly complicated. You've got to know what you're doing, having you getting it all set up properly. Yeah, so, and definitely not arriving after dark. I've made that mistake in the past. It's a nightmare. So yeah, you so see, you've attracted a lot of new people into into RVing through the pandemic as well. I mean, it's, it's been the same in Europe. So for the same yeah. reasons, as well. it's great that that's been a, a global phenomenon, isn't it? It's really crazy. Mm. I mean, because the pandemic ended up lasting multiple years. Yeah. It was crazy what kind of the changes that we saw throughout the pandemic. Because you had, when you look at 2020, the the world was just like shut down. And so after that six, eight, 12 weeks, summer 2020 hit and people were just like, I I need to get home. I need to do something. (laughs) And in the summer 2020, the only option really was RV because yeah. you could get out, you could socially distance, you had yeah. the freedom cells travel and control yeah. your environment. So you yeah. had people who hadn't even been thinking about RVs or some who had never, and they went out, they bought RVs, they they went RV. And then we saw, so that was like the initial, got to get out, got to do something. And then we saw change a little bit. You had schools that were so close for quite a while here. So we had people who I can, if I can school my kid in my kitchen table, I can school them at the kitchen table of an RV. And so you had people who were schooling their kids from, from RV. So that was a, a different thing than when we saw 2022 came around and most schools, pretty much most schools here, like it opened back up. So you didn't have the kids like schooling from RVs, but you still had people who were able to remote work. So schools closed yes. for a holiday, you can, go and take the RV. So then we had people who were doing more of the working from from the road. But one of the things that we found really interesting was we've been surveying people who bought RVs or went on RV trips since we started doing this in 2020. And the reasons that people were buying RVs were the same reasons they've always bought RVs. We had the option on their like, you know, COVID restrictions on other travel. And that was towards the bottom. It was the love of road trips. It was wanting to use an RV as a base camp for outdoor recreation and traveling in comfort and exploring the great outdoors. Those were the top four reasons. And we've seen that consistent through. So people who are buying RVs are doing it for the same reason people have always bought RVs, yeah. which is why we haven't seen a, you know, especially those first time, the first rush of people who hadn't thought about RV and they went mm-hmm. and bought an RV. Mm-hmm. There was concern that things open back up, we're going to see a flood of, of used units. Oh, like, yeah. I did yeah, it. Yeah. And we really haven't seen that. Oh, good. Um, good. Because people who did end up buying did so 
because they want to be a part of this this lifestyle. So it's been really, the past few years has been incredibly interesting for a multitude of reasons. Is there the infrastructure to cope with that sudden growth in, in demand? So we, there, there are two, two areas that pre-pandemic we were already working on. Both, briefly mentioned already, is campground availability. Before we added all these additional RVers, there was a need for more campgrounds and more amenities and modernization of campgrounds, particularly, definitely on our federal lands, but even more private campgrounds. So that is an area that we have been working, working with the federal government, with state governments to provide more funding for those public parks. And then also working with our campground association. And we have some campground owners that are members of our organization as well, just to help with the how we can get more campgrounds. Right. And the other one is the is the tax, is having enough tax to maintain and repair RVs. Oh, and oh, yeah. if someone yeah. can't get their RV repaired, then they can't use it and they may not like them. Uh, and we yeah, want that's... people to like RV. Yeah. So that's yeah. where, and that's, we founded the RV Technical Institute prior to the pandemic, but that's right. definitely been we're really glad that we started doing that before the pandemic because there's also been the, you know, really tight labor market. Oh, and so yes, having this as you can go get trained, you can get certified, you can do this job of repairing these RVs. If you want to be in bubble tech and drive around in, in RV while you do it, it's a really great option. So those are two of the big areas that we've been we've been focusing on. Okay, cool. And you said you do a lot of other research. So is there anything else you've done recently? Yeah. So we're just trying to get all, know everything we can about RV owners, the people who are intending to buy so that our members are able to, to meet those needs. So we have, we did a great big study about RV owner demographics. So everything about them, 53 was the median age all and kind of these different Tapes. So there were happy keepers who use their RVs three weeks a year. And they're like, just, they really like it. They're, they're very happy. They don't use it all the time. You've got escapees, people who want to get out and, and do adventure. So we had these different types of, of RV buyers. So it was really insightful. And the next step on that was looking at the path to purchase that people take. So someone wants to go buy an RV. What does that path look like? What, what are the pain points? What are the Points of delight. Why do people decide to either abandon or put put on pause and, and continue to think? And and why do they go through with a purchase? We just released that or like two months ago. And so it's really to help our manufacturers and then also the dealers see where are those pain points and how can we we make it better. I also mentioned we do these surveys of first-time buyers, just mm-hmm. see like who are they and why are they buying? Mm-hmm. An incredible stat. So we did our demographics. So we know that the median age of all RV owners is 53. Wow. So then we did these surveys of first-time buyers in 2020, 2021, and 2022. So all RV years, 53. In 2020, the median age of a first-time buyer was 41. It dropped to 33 in 2021, and it dropped to 32 last year. So these buyers are getting a lot younger and also a lot more diverse. When we looked at that demographic for all RV owners, not the most diverse, but when we're looking at these new buyers, it very closely reflects like census data. So it's more reflective of 
the U.S. population as a whole. We also did a big study into campground inventory, back to wanting to get, if we want to grow the number of campgrounds, let's know this, the number of campgrounds we have now and what are the amenities there. So that was a really big project we put out last year. And then something that we've got coming out in the next month is a cost comparison. So if like, this is what it costs to go on an RV trip in a number of those different RV types oh, and yeah. compared to doing the same trip, mm-hmm. but in, if you were going to drive in the state of hotel or if you're going to fly and stay at hotels. So it shows we do, we do the study every four or five years and it continues to show that RVing is an incredibly affordable way to travel. So we've got a few other things, but yeah, I could talk, I could talk to you all day about the amount of research we have coming out. Hey, it's fantastic. It's really proactive. I really admire all that. So what do you like most about working in the RV industry? Well, we sell fun, right? Like, yeah, exactly. sure, we sell a product, Yeah, but what we're really selling is a way for family and friends to spend time together, make really great memories. Like it is just it's a fun industry. We're selling fun. The people in it, are incredible. We had an emerging leaders, a leadership conference two weeks ago that was put on by emerging leaders. And it was awesome because it's meeting all these new up and comer leaders and they are amazing as well and are going to be doing really impressive things for our industry. So it's just, we sell fun. We work with fun people. Yeah. Yeah. I have a great job. Yeah, I agree. You are selling a product which gives people good times. That's, that's, that's fantastic, isn't it? Yes, for sure. Cool. Okay. Well, you've been re- it's been really interesting, but let, let me just ask you a few sort of fun questions to, to finish with, which I normally go through. And my number one question is always, if you could have an RV holiday with your family anywhere in the world, where would you like to go? And you got... So I grew up in Southern California. I did the epic three-week RV road trip, saw the Green Canyon... Four Corners. I don't know if your listeners know what Four Corners is. There's a place in the U.S. you can lay down and be in four states at once for a kid. Maybe even going back as an adult. Like, so cool. I now have two small children, and I'd love to to recreate that. And and I really plan to... Don't have concrete plans, but plan to to you know recreate that with with my family now. Um, Brilliant. So just the the epic classic out west RV trip. Oh, Southern California to uh, Texas. That's a bit of a contrast. Yeah. Well, and I've done I've done a lot of stops along the way. I've I've California, Colorado, Massachusetts, Virginia, Texas. Well traveled. I've moved around the states. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. And if you had a, a magic wand, what would you wish to benefit the RV industry as a whole? I think the more campgrounds. And while there's a lot of progress being made with getting Wi-Fi and connectivity, both in the units, mm-hmm. also at campgrounds, more current campgrounds with better Wi-Fi because people do want to be able to work from the road, mm-hmm. but then also, you know, it's not to be connected the whole time. You need want to do some work end your day and go out your front door and you're in the great outdoors playing with your kids or or family or or friends. So magic wand, more campgrounds, more Wi-Fi. Yeah, cool. No, I agree that we all can't do without it these days, can we? And now one one of my favorite questions, and I've given you some advanced warning on this because it's a bit of a challenging one sometimes, is if you could have a barbecue on a campsite with three people, celebrities, politicians, dead or alive, other than family or friends, who would you like to invite? 
Okay, so there's some really cool people, really cool U.S. celebrities that yeah. are me. Like oh, Matthew okay. McConaughey, like iconic, like yeah, yeah. so like he just seems like a really cool, fun guy to be around. And yeah. the RV, so yeah. like Brittany RV. I'm also a huge fan of Miranda Lambert, country music singer here. She nice. she like has a song about an Airstream. She has the whole fleet of, of RVs. She takes... Wow. If she has an airstream too, and she takes that on to her, again, our veer like would be great to just talk yeah. with. And then yeah. I can cheat and do a two for one because okay. Dak Shepard and Kristen Bell, they're married, they're actors here, and they're really big RVers, and they're just both hilarious. They've got, I think, two or three little girls that are things similar to age to mine. Like that, that would be who, like, let's just get all the RVs together and, and hang out. Well, that sounds a fun evening. I like the sound of that. <laughs> Oh, brilliant. Well, I've, I haven't really got anything else to ask. Is, if there's anything else you think I need to know about America and the RV I mean, I, mean this, I know you could talk all day, so... <laughs> what? I know that you could talk about it all day, but yes, any, any other any other nuggets? Yeah, I I have to confess, I've I've been to the States and I've got a family in, in Texas, actually, but I've not done any RVing in the States, so that's on my bucket list for the next, uh, next few years. And I'll let you know when I do come over. Absolutely. Mm. Cool. Peace yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much for having me on today. This was was awesome. Yeah, thank you very much indeed. Okay, brilliant. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it and would really appreciate it if you could share it with as many people as possible. Even better, please give me a five-star review in iTunes. It'd be a great help. If you'd like me to interview you, want to suggest someone to interview, or interested in sponsoring this podcast, or want to get in touch with me for any reason, please drop me a line at john at rawlingscommunications.com or message me on Instagram at rawlings underscore comms. Thanks very much. Bye for now.